1 Thessalonians chapter 2. If you have your bulletin still in your hand or if you don't have one, grab a piece of paper and put just put it in 2 Timothy. We're going to go to 2 Timothy twice, so if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. If not, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 <coughs> and 2 Timothy Go to the Lord in prayer again. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. And, and Lord, just the opportunity again is um, the thunderstorms came in this morning and woke us all up, Lord. And um, Father, we're thankful again for the rain that you have given us, Lord. And um, God, just your, your faithfulness, Lord, in, in all the aspects of our life. The, we don't even think about the water. It's just there, Lord. We don't think about air. It's just there for us, Lord. We don't think about the sun. It just It's there every morning for us, God. And but all things that, Lord, that you are in control of, Lord, things that you have you have provided for us, that you have thought in advance of what the needs that we would have, and you have provided those things for us, Lord. And so, God, as we come in this morning again, just as I pray that, that Father, our hearts would be focused on you, or our, our thoughts would be focused on you, not of the things or the wants of the world, Lord, but that we would truly just be thinking of you this morning, God, and just how faithful that you are. How wonderful that you are. Lord, we want to lift up our pastor. I forgot to pray for him before, Lord, as he comes back from the pastor's conference tomorrow, Lord, and um, spending some time with his son as well. And then just so thankful for just the wonderful words and of encouragement from the pastor's conference that I've already heard and, and seen on texts. And Lord, just the work that you've done in both of them, Lord. And just so thankful for your faithfulness through our prayers, Lord, that you would continue to touch the, the both of them, Lord pray that you would continue to work in Calvary Chapel, Lord, as we continue to move past Chuck Smith and what the next generation of pastors will be doing. Father, I just pray that you would continue to guide us in wisdom and, and, and honesty, Lord. And, and as we look at the, the book of Second Thessalonians or First Thessalonians and just the work that you did through this church, I pray that even this morning as we reread this chapter, Lord, in specific, that it would speak to our hearts of our motivations of the church's motivation for people to be saved and people to have a walk with you, Lord. Yes, God, I pray that you would use my words and, and, and take anything out that is not of you and speak to the hearts of, of us this morning, all of us, and that, that, Lord, it would go out clearly and that your, your work and your will would be done. And we ask this in your name. Amen. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated in Philippi, as you know, we were bold to, in our God to speak to you the, in the gospel of God in much conflict. For exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak, nor covetousness, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives 
because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a hinder to you. We preached you the gospel. You are our witness, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we, how we exhorted how and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and, go, and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea and Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things that from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, they may have been they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of the sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. And this morning we're going to try to get through sixteen verses. Um we'll see. I might stop at twelve. Had a hard time last night. I had a a plan and then it just kinda of get started getting like, wow, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this, but we'll see how far we get in this. Um just a recap from last week, we opened up the, the first chapter, and we talked about how, um, if you guys remember, Acts 17 is actually, if you go into the book of Acts, it's kind of neat if you can go through Acts and you can kind of go through the epistles and you can see where these churches started. We, tar- we talked about Acts 16 is where the church of Philippi started, and that's where the book of Philippians, when he's writing back to them, Acts 16 is describing that when he actually headed into that church, that, that city. The next chapter, 17, is when he heads off into Thessalonica, and he moves into there, and that's when he actually meets this church, meets the people, goes into the synagogue, and we talked about that last week, that as, as he went into any city, the first thing that he did is he found the synagogue, and that's where he started his ministry. He found the Jews in the area. He, he confronted them as far as, look, you're looking for the Christ. It is Jesus. It's Jesus. I'm telling you, this is who it is, and he would start the debate process, okay? And as you read all of his epistles that he's written, and especially Romans, I mean, the guy was a lawyer. He was a lawyer before lawyers were there. I mean, the way that he writes, the way that he thinks, the way that he debates, he was just, he was just there, and he was ready for it. I mean, God had picked the perfect person, had given the perfect person the perfect word to speak, and he was always there and always willing to give all the glory back to God, but always bring them to Jesus Christ. Always bring them to Jesus Christ. Look, you're looking for this. This is who you're looking for is Christ. So as he would go into that town into Acts 17, he is also beaten. Almost every town that he goes into, he, he ticks somebody off and he ends up getting beaten, you know, and they, they throw, they'll stone him, they'll throw him out of the city or whatever. But does that stop Paul? It doesn't. He just gets right back up. Some of the times he would just dust himself off. He would ride right back into the city the next day and he would start the process all over again. Because for him to remember to, to live, you know, is Christ, to die is gain. And that was his whole motto for his life is, I don't care. To live, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach Christ, and that's what I'm going to do. And if I die, then, then great, I'm with Christ. So, I mean, either way, it doesn't hurt me. I'm either going to preach and live for him, or I'm going to die and I'm going to be with him. But I'm going to do it the way that God wants me to do it, and that's how I'm going to live my life. And so as he went into this church in Thessalonica, we talked about the different things. They were a church, remember the Thessalonians from last week, they were a church of a work of faith. They were a labor of love. They had great labor. They, had, they, they loved doing it. It wasn't just a labor of just messing around. I mean, they were actively involved 
because they loved the, the people in that t- city. They loved the, the Lord, and they wanted to work hard. And they had a patience of hope. They had a patience. They had a patience knowing that it was going to happen, but what were they hoping for? They were hoping for the return of Christ. They were hoping that, look, this is our hope. Our hope is in Christ. And for us to remember that is that the same thing for us. I think so many times as Christians, we get so bogged down. You know, there's just times I don't, I don't go on Facebook or Bookface, Jonathan, and I don't go on Fox News or I don't go on CNN. I don't listen to any kind of news because you just get discouraged. And it's like, Lord, what am I doing? Why am I listening to this stuff? It's just bringing me down and it's getting me off point of what really matters. What really matters? It's, but Jesus matters. And Jesus coming back, and Jesus in my heart, and Jesus coming out of my life, the life that I live. Well, so many times we get so off, off kilter that our, our patience isn't there anymore. We have no patience to wait for him. And we have no desire to wait because it's so frustrating right now where we're at. I mean, you know, my bills aren't getting paid. My work's not going the way it should be going. You know, my family's, you know, a pain and, and all this other stuff. And we keep on going down the list of stuff. And we forget what our hope is. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is in God. The prayer this morning is just, again, all these things that we take for granted, you know? We, we have air to breathe right now. We have water. We'll go home, turn the water faucet on, and drink as much water as you want to. And all these things are just there. We don't even think about it. The sun comes up. It just, it just happens. We don't plan these things. God just takes care of it. Why? Because he loves us. So get, get your mind off the other stuff and get your focus back on, well, God just does these things for me, and I don't even have to think about it. Let me get back into what really matters in life. And they became Christians. Well, they became Christians because they walked into town. Well, somebody had to share the gospel. Somebody had to be the word. And, and obviously we know Paul. Paul's going to share the word. And he was the mouthpiece. And he didn't has, doesn't have a problem doing that. But he said that, look, the, the gospel didn't come to you by word only, but the gospel came in power. And we talked about the power was dynamis. It was dynamite. I mean, it was explosion. There's power in the, in the gospel. There's power in the name of Jesus. You know, you walk into a restaurant and you say, Jesus, and everybody will look. You know, if you say Buddha, they're like, just, you know, keep munching their, their appetizers. I mean, there's just power. Anywhere you go, if you say the name of Jesus, somebody's going to, they're going to look. Like, what is that guy talking about? Is he, talking, is he one of those believers again? You know, what are those people doing? There's this name in it. There's a power in that name. The gospel came in the spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit and how important it is to be, that, that Christ had to leave and that the Holy Spirit had to come so he could empower us to do the works that he can empower us and give us the ability to do the things. And because this isn't something that we want to do normally, because in the flesh, I love me. You know, I've said in the past, you know, I love me some me. We all love me, okay? You, know, you love you too, because everybody got up this morning, you took showers, you made sure your hair was all good. I mean, everybody looks good this morning. Why? Because you love you, okay? I mean, we all do. But, but the power of the Spirit comes in and opens your eyes to start thinking, well, there's other people in this world that, that somebody needs help. And then I can help this person. And the Spirit just touches you. And they, they're wooing that person at the same time so that when you come and talk to them, that you're giving them the perfect words because the Spirit has given you the perfect word. They're like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Well, it wasn't me. It was God. God knew what you needed to hear. He's been talking to you. And the Spirit does that and grabs them, brings them on. And the gospel came in assurance. These guys, an assurance means that they believed what they were talking about. There was belief in it. And I said last week, too, it'd be, it's important for me to be up here as a pastor to actually believe in what I'm talking about, right? And there's so many people that don't that are up in these pulpits that are just taking a check so they can go ahead and, and do on with their life. But you have to have assurance. And you as Christians have to have an assurance of what you believe in. 
You can't just show up to church because that's the thing I do on Sunday morning so that I'm good with God this week and then I can go back out. You have to have an assurance that I really believe this. Is God real? Is Jesus real? Did Jesus really really live and die on a cross and raise again three days so that my sins would be forgiven? Because if you don't believe that, you don't have assurance. You don't have anything basis. There's nothing there of substance to what you've done. You've built your house on sand is what Jesus has said. There's no rock there. There's no belief in what you're doing. So that's the recap from last week to bring us into this one as, as Paul, again, just affectionately loves his church and as he continues to talk to this church, as he continues to preach and teach into this church, he's since gone. This is a letter back to them. So he's not writing a letter to them. Remember, these are letters. He's not actively talking to them about this stuff. He has gone and is now cons- concerned about them and is writing back to them and he has love to this church. And he says in verse 1 and 2, he says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered, before we were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. So Paul reassures them of the mission. This was our mission to you. As I headed out in the mission field, I was, I was, it was not in vain. I didn't come to you because it was just, a, just something to do that was there. No, there's, there's substance to it. I came to you guys and lives were changed. People believed in Jesus Christ. People believed in God. And it wasn't just the Jews, it was also the Gentiles. And I said, look, let's get, let's get everybody together who loves Jesus and let's, let's teach them the word of God. And it didn't, it didn't happen in vain. And we were so bold to speak the gospel. Again, as we've gone over Paul, he was very bold. And Timothy and Silas, very bold in what they believed in. And there was, a, there was just a, a burning inside of them that they had to do it. I mean, this was just their life of who they were. I think that's a lot of times is, is, is we've, we've gone into this next phase as a church, not just our church, the church in general, that we have moved from, you know, kind of the church history kind of goes up. You see, there's like a time where there's a lot of law. Everything's the law. You've got to do this and you've got to do that. And if you don't do this and you don't do that, you're going to hell. You know, I mean, that's just the law. You know, that's just how it is. And then we start moving back down and then everything is grace. Oh, but Jesus loves you so much. Don't worry about that drinking problem. You know, come Jesus loves you. He just wants you to come inside. Yeah, Jesus wants you to come inside, but Jesus also wants you to stop drinking. He didn't want you to do the pot. He didn't want you to be swearing and, and beating your kids. And I mean, you have grace, but there's a point of grace where, yeah, grace is given by God because for salvation. I mean, because you've been forgiven. That's grace. Well, grace doesn't cover just to keep doing what you're doing. And so many churches then get into this grace part where it's just a pouring out of grace. Yeah, I've heard some pastors recently that I don't agree with a whole lot. Uh, just talking about, we'll see, and uh, just some others that I'm just like, it's just grace, you know? And, well, yeah, this is a time of grace. Grace is always there. Grace has been there from the beginning of time. We have breath this morning. It's grace. We have, again, salvation. That's grace. Anything else is just, we don't deserve it. I mean, we deserve hell. The grace is the fact that we get to go to heaven. And so he says, look, I came to you because of the boldness of the, of the gospel that I, I believe this stuff. And as we start coming back up, I believe there's going to be a time here where we're going to start seeing a little bit more of the law. Because as you've seen, society just completely move over to now we're just accepting of everything. You can talk to everybody. Well, you know what, brother, I, I respect your thought. And if that's how you believe, man, that's fine with me. You know, I, there's no hatred there. You know, I just got my own belief on everything, you know, how I believe. And you would think, well, that's conversation in the world. No, that's conversation in the church. Well, no, brother, that's all right. You can believe that. But you know what? I've just got my own kind of feeling as far as what the Old Testament might say or, you know, what Jesus really meant when he said this is that, you know, this was really okay because he never really mentioned that. 
He didn't mention that sin, so that sin's got to be okay because Jesus personally didn't mention it. Well, Jesus didn't mention to take a shower. I mean, did he mention to take a shower? We all take showers. So, I mean, at some point you've got to have an understanding that there's a law that we're still under. I mean, God, Jesus came and, and, and took away that stuff, but, but we still have right and wrong, is there not? I mean, so, so many times we sit there within the church and we're, we're over here now. And now you've seen society just completely move away because there's no light within the world. There's nobody that's actually standing up and saying, this is what Christ talked about, that there is right, that there is wrong, and that it's okay. I don't, I don't hate you because I'm saying that you're doing something that's wrong. I love you very much. And in fact, that I'm telling you is that, I, that it's proves that I love you. I mean, if I was living in a lifestyle that was wrong, and I've, I've used this illustration before with Christine, is that, you know, if I was cheating on my wife, I would pray that somebody would come to me and say, Kevin, you need to stop that. That is wrong. That is, that's, that's so wrong. And they would just lay it out and, and pray with me. And, and Kevin, I'm going to hold you accountable to that. I mean, is that, is that saying, are they doing that because they're angry with me? They're mad at me? No, it's done in love. They're saying, because look, I love you, Kevin, and I know that that's not what you want, and I know I love Christine, and, and, and this, is, this, is, this is what's happening here is wrong. So when I point out a sin, it doesn't mean that, that I hate you in some way or I'm harboring any... No, it's I love you. And so as he says, look, I came to you, and the gospel was preached in, in power. He's saying, look, I, I'm coming to you because I see the light, and it's Jesus Christ. And the, the benefits of that is... As Paul's reassuring them, look, this is my motivation to you. My motivation to you is that I, I very much love you. Well, then at the same time in Thessalonica, there was people that didn't love Paul. You know, there were people that didn't like him at all. And as we've seen, he was beaten. He was thrown out of the city as he normally was. I mean, those were the, so he's fighting two different sets of people, people that were coming to know the Lord. And then there was also people that just didn't like him because they were going to lose their power. They believe in what he was saying and they were trying to get rid of him and they were, they were trying to get him arrested and all those that believe. And so the motivation here for Paul is, he says, look, the, the motivation, what motivation means is it's the reason or reasons one has for acting or behaving in a particular way. It's the drive. It's the inspiration that you have in your life. What is your motivation? Your motivation, their motivation for Christ was, look, I just want people saved. I want them to see it. I want the Jews to see it. And I want Gentiles to know that they can be saved as well. And so as he goes into the city, well, people start saying, oh, no, you can't believe them because they do this. And so Paul starts laying out that whole list of different things that they were claiming that he did. And so as we start in verse 3, it says, For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. So he starts saying, look, they're saying this about me. They're saying that, that, we, that we, first thing, that we're speaking in error, that we said stuff that wasn't true. Well, I'm telling you that it's not. The truth is that Jesus came here. And so he's assuring them of the truth. Of the, look, this is the gospel message. And I saw Jesus spoke to me specifically, and this is how he changed my life. Look, again, I was the Jew of Jews. And we talked about it last week that, and in the past, that you know, he had a resume. He could have been the Pharisee of Pharisees. I mean, the guy was there as far as on the Jewish side. But he said, lo, Jesus said he came and he changed my life. There's no deceit here. There's no not, not truth in what I'm saying. And he moves on and he says, uncleanness. They're trying to, uncleanness here is, is that there was fornication in their life, that they, were, that they were sexually doing things that were deviant, that were wrong. And at the time, there was a lot of temples and, and gods that they would worship and they would go to the temple prostitutes and they would, that's how they would you know, show their favor towards God as they would go to these prostitutes and they would do those things. And, and, and so they were trying to claim, those on the Jews' side were trying to claim that they were bringing, that Christians, that's what they were doing. And that these, the Paul and company were coming into town and that's exactly what they believed. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm a, I'm, they're trying to say I'm unclean. 
That's not me. Uh, you've seen me. You've seen my life. I don't live that way. And then unfortunately, you know, as we, we continue to move down the road to today, unfortunately we see too many people that are falling and falling into that same problem. That they no longer can say that I'm unclean. And, and it's a sad thing is because, you know, it, it's not just Pastor Bob that we've talked about in the past. There's another pastor in, Cal- in, in, in Fort Lauderdale, not Calvary related, in Fort Lauderdale just resigned as well because of, you know, an extramarital affair. I mean, and, and this goes back further than beyond that. I've seen, I know, I know of other pastors, the same thing, that have fallen. You know, and does that mean that that, that discredits what Jesus Christ taught? Not at all. It means that they're, they're men, and that's why you don't worship a man. That's why you don't say, well, Kevin said this. You know, and I'm, if Kevin said it, I'm believing it. No, you guys know me. Don't do that. You know, I'm, trust me, don't do that. You know, of all the people, don't do it with me. Because it's just not right. Because I'm not the one that you're, you're supposed to be focused on. It's the cross that you're focused on. I'm just standing in front of it right now. It's Jesus. And as Paul sits there and says, look, it's not me. I'm not unclean. I've not done any of that stuff. You've seen my lifestyle. I've walked with you. I've been in the same area with you. And deceit. And deceit here is, is a lure or a snare. Kind of like when you're fishing. I'm not a fisherman. My son wishes I was. I'm not, when you're, you're a fisherman and you use a lure or a deceit that's on the side and you kind of trick the fish into thinking that it's something and then they grab a hold of it. Okay? That's just deceit. It's, and Paul's saying, look, they're saying that we're just deceiving you and trying to get you tricked into this so that you'll, you'll move away from that. Again, not true. There's no deceit. And when, listen, and I'll say this even outside of that. When you're witnessing to somebody else, one, start taking note of all these things and start applying them to your life. Don't use deceit. Don't use trickery. You know, don't, if you're in here right now and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm not being deceitful at all. I want you to know who Jesus Christ is. If you've walked away from Jesus Christ in your life, I'm telling you right now, I want you to know Jesus Christ and I want you to repent of your sins. That's not being deceitful. But when some churches, they'll say, well, you know, you've got to kind of change it. You know, you've got to be a little bit more modern. You've got to use, you know, you've got to cuss every once in a while from the pulpit. You know, you've got to go to the bar every once in a while, drink a beer with them. You've got to be more relatable in what you're doing. And because that way you can kind of, you can get them into the church and then, you know, on a different service, that's when we'll kind of, you know, hit them with the right hook and give them Jesus at that time. Well, that's, that's lying, isn't it? I mean, aren't you, being two, aren't you being two different people? You're being them. And then you're trying to be Jesus and, and what he's asked you to be at the same time. Well, it doesn't work, does it? I mean, aren't, don't you have to be the light at some point? It doesn't say be the light only when you deliver the sucker punch. But, you know, you can walk how you want to outside of that. No, it says be the light. You know, too many of us are so worried about, well, you know, I'm in business and I can't, can't bring it up at that time. I'm not saying that when you're at work, look, you're at work, you work for somebody for 40 hours. They don't pay you to work for 25 hours, and preach the gospel for 15. Okay, you don't work for a church. Unless you work for a church, then spend 40 hours doing that. All right, the rest of us, okay, even myself, I still have a job to do. Okay, we all have jobs to do. So he's not saying, look, take away from that, because you'll see in a second, Paul was a hard worker, and he worked so that he had the opportunity to preach the gospel. So what I'm saying is, your boss is paying you to work for 40 hours. You, you work as if you're working under the Lord. You give him the best 40 hours that you can give him. Outside of that, your break time, your lunch time, your after hours time, if you need to go and meet somebody afterwards, you talk to them about Jesus Christ. You give your boss the best 40 hours that he's ever seen in his life as far as a Christian worker. I mean, you just give it to him. 
Okay, so on the outside of that, don't be a don't be a, a snare, don't be a deceitful to somebody, don't lie to them. Okay, to try to trick them into Jesus, because again, if I can talk you into Jesus, then somebody else can talk you out of Christ. I need to come with with the gospel. I need to come with power. I need to come in the Holy Spirit. I need to be prayed up, and I now need to let, allow the Holy Spirit to be the one that does the work. Does that make sense? Anybody else deceiving people in here? I'm just kidding, don't drink here. So. So don't do that. So he's saying here, look, look, I've been accused by the leaders in this area that I'm not worthy because I'm a liar and that I'm a fornicator and that I'm being deceitful. Well, that's not me. That's not me at all. And he moves into verse four and says, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. So we've been we've been approved here. OK, I've been recognized by God. God has specifically handpicked me in my my little company here, Paul and um, and, and, and Paul and Silas have been particularly picked right here to be able to go out and to preach the gospel. We have been entrusted with it. God has, has, has handed us the gospel to do that. And some of you guys know we went to, um, to Washington, D.C. a few weeks back, and we went to, into the National Museum of Natural History. So it's like a tongue twister. And so in there, they have like all these bones. It was, it was like the bones were really awesome. The guys were like, yes, this is really cool. So then we got into like the rocks and gems and stuff like that. And you're like, whatever. But Christine and Ashlyn liked that part. So it was, but we got to the Hope Diamond. Everybody know what the Hope Diamond is? This is massive. I mean, it, it's massive. I mean, it really was cool. I have a picture. I was going to put it up in there. But the, we have, it was the Hope Diamond. Like, is it the biggest diamond in the world or something like that? Whatever. It's just massive. And so... You, I'm, I think if you breathe on this thing the wrong way, I mean, like security is going to be like on you in a second. Okay. I mean, there's like, I mean, it's under its own little thing. You know, I'm sure they've got like sensors underneath it, sensors over it. You know, you breathe on it the wrong way. It's something's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing. So they take such great care of the hope diamond that that's what they, because the Smithsonian has been entrusted to take care of it. They've been entrusted to make sure that nobody steals it, that I don't walk in there and just kind of slide it in my pocket and walk out. Then that can't happen. Well, the same thing here is with Paul is that he's been entrusted with the gospel. But for us, the difference is, is that we're not entrusted to hide it and keep it. We've been entrusted to hand it out and to preach it and to tell other people, what is the gospel? Anybody know what the gospel is? It's the word of God. What else? It's the good news. It's the good news. What is the good news? Christ crucified. Louder, louder people. Come on, come on. Thank you, man. Okay, y'all are ready now to go and witness. That's all you got to do right there. You can get somebody saved just by that alone. Okay, that's the gospel. So they, we haven't been given the gospel to hold it in like this, so it's we four and no more. It's no, we've been given the gospel to go and share it. So Paul says, look, you know that we've been proved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. Even so, we speak not pleasing to men, but to God who tests our hearts. So he says, look, when I, get, when I came into town, and obviously he didn't speak to please men because he keeps getting beat up, okay? So, so that wasn't his error there. But he says, look, you know, I, we're, not here to, we're not trying to please men. We're going out because we want to share Jesus Christ with people. And I want to please God because God is the one that I'm worried about. I'm not worried about men. All they can do is just take this earthly vessel, but I want to make sure that God is happy because he's got my eternal vessel. You understand that? He's got my spirit. So if you move over to 2 Timothy just real quick, it should be to the right, just a couple books. Second Timothy 4, verse 2 through 4. You guys should know this verse. It should be unlined or something happening there. 
as far as it. It says, verse 2, it says, Preach the word. Christians, Calvary Chapel Christian Fellowship, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. And Kevin, you say, well, why are you bringing that up? You know, that doesn't make sense of what you're saying. Because, see, that's the time that we're in now. So many people right now are, wanting, are turning to somebody who's going to itch their ear. They want to be pleasing unto men. They, want to be, they don't want to hear the, the law. Again, we don't want to hear the things that I've got to change in my life. I want something that kind of feel good. I want something that's going to kind of you know, help me get ready for the week for when I go to work that I'm, that I'm good on that side because you know, I don't want to hear all that, that negative stuff. I mean, that's so like you know, 1800s, 1700s. I mean, they needed that stuff. But this is more of a, a modern time. This is more where I need something to help me with work so I can have some buzzwords to say so I can kind of feel good about my... Is that all? That's, not, that's not us, right? That's not what we're asked to do. We're asked to preach the word. We need to exhort. We need to convict when there's times to be convicted. I want to be convicted. You know, kind of, in a roundabout way. I mean, it's like a Lord and me, maybe. You know, I don't want to be convicted like in this setting. But, you know, but it's those times where, but I want that. But then at the same time, I want somebody to come along and, and just be gracious in the Lord as well. And, and, and just pour out and say, man, that was just, you know, just thanks so much for that. Or, hey, you know what? Your, your, your boys and your daughter are wonderful. I mean, that's, that's wonderful things to hear at the same time. But we have to be willing to do both. We have to be willing to go out there and, and just speak. the. And again, like I said last week, don't be a jerk about it. You don't be a jerk about when you speak the truth to somebody. I, I honestly believe, and this is not in the Bible, but I honestly believe you can say anything to anybody if you say it in the right way. I mean, you can say anything to anybody, but you have to say it in the right way. You know, if you walk up and say, hey, you're this, you know, you're probably going to get punched. You know, but if you pull them aside and you talk to them and you're bringing them to the, per- the point where they're at and then you share in love what's happening, they're going to receive it. They may not be happy with you at the moment, but they're going to receive it a whole lot differently. So again, as we go out and we preach the word, and if you come across somebody that's in a different lifestyle with you or there's somebody who's doing something, you can still love that person. You can still share the gospel with that person. You can still share that Jesus loves them and God loves them and God has a plan for them. And then they won't be mad at you and they won't hate you forever. But all those things have to still be said because, again, we can't have the itching ears and be looking for pastors that are just going to tell us kind of what we want to, to hear because then we've kind of formed and shaped our own God. So he said, look, I didn't come speaking, pleasing, did not come to speak pleasing unto men, you know, but I, and I didn't give flattering words, okay? So it, at first when I heard flattering words, I was thinking, you know, we, you know, Guys and ladies, you kind of all know what flattering words are. Hey, honey, you look beautiful tonight. You know, something like that. It's, you know, well, you look handsome. Thank you very much. No, it's not the flattering words on that side. I was in an anniversary mode. So it's not something like that, okay? I save that for next week. So not a, it's not to make somebody feel good. Actually, the, the, the word here, it actually means is that it's using your, your words to get them to do something that I want. Okay, so the flattering words is not, not that you're giving them words to say, hey, you look wonderful or something like that. It's just that I'm using my words to kind of trick you in a way to get you to do something that I want you to do. So he said, look, I didn't come giving them flattering words to kind of, again, trying to be deceitful, kind of trying to go in back or the back door on this. Look, I gave, you, I gave you the truth. I gave you real words here. I didn't come in cloak or covetousness, okay? I didn't come as far as that, that I didn't come in, in cloak as trying to trick you into getting financial gain. 
Okay, I didn't do any of those things. As you know, Pastor Don doesn't come in cloak and covetousness for, you know, for us. He doesn't come in and is, is fleecing the church so that he can get rich off of us. Okay, that's not, that's not what he's doing because otherwise he wouldn't be working and, and Lynette wouldn't be working. I mean, it just it'd be backfiring on him. And it, I'd have to talk to him and say, if you're going to do this, you need to do it better, man. What is your problem? You know? So it's not that at all. You know, let me give you some different counsel, buddy. You're going wrong. So um, <laughs> I'll stop there. So he didn't say... It's a whole bad line that was about to go down. So he didn't say any of that kind of stuff. You know, he said, look, I didn't do that. I'm not coming to you to try to, to rip you off and try to steal money from you and try to take things from you. I came here because this is it. You know, in a second, you'll see the other side of this as far as what he was doing and what his responsibility was. Look, I didn't, I didn't come to seek the glory. I didn't come so that it would be all alalu Paul. You know, it wasn't about me. No, I didn't seek your praise. And because see, praise, is, it's a slippery slope. You know, it's one thing when you're, you know, I, I use myself up. It's one thing when you're up here because you kind of want to get feedback. You know, I, I want to get feedback from people like, hey, how was this? How was that? You know, it's not like I'm trying to get, oh, Kevin, you are the bomb. Oh, my goodness. I haven't heard anybody tease like, that's in Billy Graham. It was unbelievable. <laughs> you know, I mean, three or four people last week said that. I just was like, no, don't. Please, don't. Don't. That's just, stop. You're embarrassing me. That's how I wear the pink this week so it wouldn't. You wouldn't see it as much as the embarrassment, but it was, it's not that because it's a slippery slope because you don't want that because I, d- I don't want that. You just kind of want to know because the, a slippery slope then, because then I start getting bigger than what I should be. My head starts getting bigger and then you can't, we have to get a bigger building every time I teach because I can't fit in here because my head's so large, you know, and well, it's all about Kevin teaching this week, you know, and no, because see in Isaiah 42, eight, it says, I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give no other. Because the Bible also says that God is a jealous God. He is a jealous God. He's jealous for us, but he's also jealous not to take his praise. It's, it's not about me. It's not about you guys even too. I mean, if you go out and you do a wonderful job and you've, you've had a friend for a while and you've been talking to them and then you, you share the gospel and they, yes, I want to receive the Lord, and, and they get saved, again, it's not something that you did. You didn't save them. But I'll tell you what, at that moment, you could walk on a cloud. I mean, you're, so, you're just like, oh my goodness, that was just incredible. That the Lord would actually use me to be the one that's in that. Again, because it's God that does the work. And the, the quicker that we see that, and the quicker that, again, this is a very slippery slope. And, it, and I can't imagine, I mean, I've said this before, that's why I don't have a good singing voice. Because I would struggle so greatly if I was up here and I had a good singing voice because, you know... It, it just it would be hard. It would be very hard. I, I, I understand why Satan would have fallen. Because again, it, it, just, it builds you up and it builds you up and you just think that you're something that you're not. And God says, I can't, I can't use that. You know, he might use, he uses all things. He used a donkey at one time. So he'll use anything, okay? But, but just don't, go, don't take the Lord's glory. That's the wrong thing to do. And just, it's, it's, he, he's a jealous God and he, he, will, he will seek justice on that. Verse 7 says, But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes, cherishes her own children. He says, But, listen, all that negative stuff, this is, what, this is what the leaders in your area are saying right now to me, about me. And, and those are all the things that they're saying. But listen, but listen, you know that that wasn't true. Because I came to you as gentle as, as a nursing mother. And I had an opportunity to go see, we went and saw Mandy and Jeremy at the hospital they're home now. Um, Camden's doing well. He had some little sketchy with his blood sugars and stuff like that when he was there. Um, he's doing fine. He's at home. Um, and then d- took over some food to them the other day. Um, 
and and also she was tired and as she should be so um but the one thing about you know a, a mother with a newborn is is i mean they're just it's just it's sweet to see i mean they're just they're holding and it's just and he's little too i mean i wasn't used to a little baby like that i mean ours were a little bit bigger but um he's little you know and she's just holding on and protecting and watching over and anything that he needs she's right there to take care of because that's what a, that's what a mom does you know when they're little like that it's just like well, they can't do anything and so paul says look i came to you like that I came to you like you were a babe, and I just and I walked in, and what did you guys need? And I met those needs, and I cared for you, and I took it easy, and, and I watched over you. And he said, look, you know, be very careful. Second Timothy 2.24 says, and as a servant of the Lord, as a servant of the Lord, he's talking to Timothy at this point, he says, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle. It's the same word there, gentle, to all, able to teach, and patient in humility, and correcting those who are in opposition. But it's the same word there. He's saying, look, don't, don't go caught, get so caught up in the quarrels of the world, but be patient and be loving and calm down and take it easy, you know, and get a lot of 70s on you. You know, relax. It's all good. And save those times from when they're there. Now, obviously, Paul had a, had a, had a, had a little in him because, again, you don't get beaten up, you know, for saying nice stuff and all the time and being gentle. I mean, so there was something that was aggressive in his nature, but... But he was gentle to those that needed to be gentle to. And I would be take that as a reminder for us as too, as, as again, as we talked about in the last couple of weeks as far as the court ruling and all that stuff, Christians, we need to be gentle. And we need to be a right representative of the Lord. And as we go out and we talk to people, and if you're angry and you're throwing up your hands about, we have rights. Again, we don't have rights. Our, our, heaven is, our, our home is in heaven. This is not our home. And this, that's what we need to be focused on. And we need to be gentle. We need to be loving. And we need to be able to share those things with people in a manner that they will receive it so that God would get the glory. Verse 8 says, So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had come to become dear to us. And affectionately longing that they gave their lives to them. In chapter 1, we talked about um, the gospel at the very end. You know, the last part is just you're just laying out the gospel that exactly that they were waiting for heaven to come back for God Jesus to come back from heaven and and the gospel was laid out to them and that's what they had understood but look it wasn't just the fact that we we gave you the gospel because that would have been great but listen you know we you were so worthy of love that we were willing to give all that we had for you they were willing to give their lives to them they were willing to live amongst them. And, and, and you see them as and missionaries that go overseas and, and just give up everything that they've had and actually live in whatever the culture that they're living in, whether it's in Africa somewhere or in Russia somewhere or wherever that it's at. They, they give up their lives and they become immersed into wherever that they're at because those people are so worthy of it that they're saying, look, I, I love you so much that this is my life and I'm laying it down for you guys because I care for you. And this is the real cost of ministry as well. And it's something that we all need to start thinking about, too, is that if you're going to make a difference in somebody's life, you have to be willing to give up your own life at the same time. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to go out and die for that person right then, but it's actually it's harder because you're going to give up your life every single day for that person, and you're going to make an investment in that person's life. And, and you know, I, Jeremy has talked about that. That's why I'll use him as an example today, is that... Um, uh, the same thing happened with Jeremy and I, you know, and the Lord had convicted me. It was interesting, the whole sequence of events, the Lord had convicted me that I was not doing that in people's lives. 
You know, I kind of had like my job time. I had my little ministry time. And then I, I was very, very cautious of my family time. Very, very cautious. I didn't want anything to, if it wasn't going to that, oh, sorry, got to go. I'm out of here, you know, type thing. And the Lord just convicted me and said, Kevin, you know, when are you, when are you going to give me the rest now? When are you going to start seeing, and it was through Jim Cimbala's message at the pastor's conference one year. Again, that's why you guys need to go to the pastor's conference in Merritt Island. So just start knocking that down. So, But it was because you can get convicted in a good way. Okay, so the Lord convicts me and says, Kevin, when are you going to do this? When are you going to give your heart to me and, and, and more importantly to the people that are around you? And the Lord just convicts me and, and, and shows me the errors of the things that I'm doing that I'm just being, I'm being, you know, wrong with my time that I have because it's still the Lord's time. And so I say, fine, then I'll, I'll open up. And the problem I have too is with counseling at times is that I'm like, look, dude, we've said this like twice. Okay, why are you not getting this? You know, I mean, I just kind of like, I'm like bottom line here, you know, that's the second time. What, 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 was I not here the first time? I'm just confused, you know? And so, you know, we all need grace and I've, probably done that to people as well but so so it's it's just you know that part of me had to change as well so here comes jeremy you know and jeremy comes in with all of his his ups and downs and things like that that he was going through at the time and just the the willingness to go through those ups and downs with somebody was was amazing and then to see on the back side of this is now jeremy's got three children and and a man that that's taking care of his wife and loves his wife and loves his god and is jeremy perfect now jeremy will tell you today he's not perfect you know, but he's somebody who's striving to, to seek what Jesus has for his life. And, but see, that happens with somebody willing to say, look, I, I love you because God loves you. And, and, and what do I need to do and what can I do for you? And, and being there to talk to somebody and being willing to, to take those calls when you don't want to take a call, you know, or talk on the phone when you don't want to talk on the phone. And being able to, to not say something when you feel like you want to say something, but allow the Lord to be the one that says it. Well, all those things happen because you're going to realize the real cost of ministry is, is not just you know, money or, or whatever or what you give up as far as tangible things. It's what you give up is your life. And when, you know, when he says, you know, I, I am no longer, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives me, I've been crucified. The crucifying is not just that I lose my old friends and all those old ways. The crucifying comes every single day when I have to go and say, look, what do I want, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? I hate hospitals. I've been in hospitals twice in the last week. You know, I hate, I, just, I just don't like hospitals. It's just not my thing, you know. I mean, I feel like I'm icky and, you know, it's just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch something while I'm here. I mean, just, ugh, you know, I just don't like hospitals. You know, I'm like, I don't even want to be there when I'm sick. You know, it's like, how can, can I go home now, you know, type thing. So, but to be there and to know that the Lord, that's the calling that I have now. And so now I need to get over my flesh and be willing to know that, you know what, I need to pour into people because that's what matters, okay. I can't save a chair but I want to be used to save a life. And I want somebody to see that. And I want somebody to, to see Jesus. And that's when Paul goes into Thessalonica, he's saying, look, I lived among you. Listen, don't listen to all the things that they said, because look, this is the lifestyle that I live. I came to you as a nursing mother, and I affectionately longed to you. I gave you my life. You saw me. I was there. Verse 9 says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we may not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. So again, going back to what I had talked about before, he didn't come in there for financial deceit to get finances out of them. He came and said, look, I've worked day and night. You know, it says in the book of Acts that, that he was a tent maker. And so he's out there and he's laboring and they see it. And the, the, the word there is not that he just kind of showed up to work. I mean, it's, it's physical, intense labor. That's what he did. And he worked hard also that he could preach the gospel. 
look, I didn't come to take money from you. And there were some churches that gave him money to help him out. But he said, look, I was, I was there. I was amongst you. I worked just as hard as you. I stood next to you and sweated just like the rest of you did. I had to work hard for my food. All that was there. I was right next to you. And in all that, I still gave God the glory because I was able then to turn around and preach the gospel to you. That's what it was all about. And so then as, as I said before, you know, when you go to work for somebody, you work for them. You work hard for them. You let them see that, man, I should hire more Christians. I shouldn't be hiring these other people. I should be hiring Christians. I, and I wish I could put on the application, are you a Christian? Because if so, I want to hire you. Instead of you know, us worrying about when we have an opportunity to, to preach the gospel on our, on, our, our, on our job, we should be working for him and, and, and the boss and then be able to turn around and take those opportunities outside and pour into somebody's life. You need help with that extra thing. Let me go ahead and help you out with that. I mean, that's, that's what it's about. Paul toiled and worked hard. All he wanted to do was preach the gospel. You see that in the people's lives around us as well, and Pastor Don and, and many other pastors in the area that just, they, they don't have, just it's, it's just not there as far as preaching. They also have to work on the outside. There's no deceit within what they're trying to do. It's because they're pouring their hearts into us. They're pouring their hearts into me because they just, they just love us. They're saying, look, I'm right next to you. I know it's hard to pay your bills. I'm there with you. I know it's hard to do those other family things. I'm there with you. But I wouldn't be asking you to do it if I wasn't doing it myself. That's the thing that we need to realize is that it's, it's a full commitment to Jesus Christ. It's a full commitment. Again, it has to be all in on what you're doing in life because if you're, if you're straddling the fence, well, I'll give God some of this time. It says in Revelation, you're lukewarm. And what do you do with lukewarm water? You spit it out in a second. He says, I'd rather you be hot or cold because when you're lukewarm, I can't do anything with you. And I just think there's so many of us as Christians that God wants to do so much more with in life. But he can't because we're just lukewarm sitting in our seats and not willing to just invest everything that we have. And again, I'm there. I've, I'm still there. I understand the struggles. I understand the, the desires of, of two and the desires not to. You're just not happy anywhere. It's like, ah, I should have done more there. Ah, oh, I don't want to give up my time. I don't want to do that. But the Lord says, give, give, do it all. Paul, look, I, it's me. I did it. I gave you my life. I worked hard next to you. I did everything that I could possibly do to prove to you that I loved you. I invested everything. Verse 10 says, You are witnesses in God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, we, how we exhorted, comforted, and charged every one of you, as a father does, his own children, that we would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Verses 10 through 12, is, is, this is our character. And Paul's just laying out and saying, look, again, these are horrible things that they said about us. These are the things that you've seen me do. And well, then this is our... This is our character of who we are. It says, They walked blamelessly amongst them. And again, getting back to different pastors lately, this one's a little bit harder to see. And again, this is why you don't you know, worship a man. But I'll say this, is that I know many men and women just in my own little Sarasota, Bradenton community that, that I admire greatly. And, and it's not somebody that is ever going to be on TV, you know, leading a, a gospel charge. It's not anybody that's going to have a stadium filled with people. It's never probably some people that never will have a church, never be in ministry. But the walk that they've walked is in a manner that I'm like, 
That is awesome. They are praising the Lord and they're doing it right. Not because they're in full-time ministry in, in any domination or any kind of church, because they've actually walked the walk. And I think that that's where, you know, again, you don't have to serve the Lord by just being in ministry. I think at some point in my life, I felt like, man, you, the only way I can do this is if I'm at a church or I get on staff somewhere. I mean, I got to kind of work, you know, work my own way to get into there. But then the conviction comes is, well, well, who gets, who saves the person in my neighborhood? If, if, if I'm not, who saves the person at my job? If I'm not there, who saves my customer? If I don't have a business called Trinity Motors that they walk into so that they can see somebody who's actually walking the walk in a, in a, in a used car business field. I mean, trust me, there's not a lot of us out there. So it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a very fruitful opportunity for us, but it's, it's, if, if I'm not there, well then who is there? Who's, who's at your job that if you're not there, and I, and I pray that you guys are all walking the walks that I'm, I'm assuming that you are, that you're, that you're not representing the Lord right. And that when something happens, that they say, well, I, I don't know the answers in the Bible, but this thing, I, I, know, I, I know Gordon. Just go ask Gordon. Gordon to help you out. Gordon to pray with you. Are you that person? I know Gary talked about one time he had a little Bible study at his work as well. I mean, it's just cool that you're, you're taking an opportunity to move the church within the business. I'm still working, but it's at break time. I can do what I want at break time, and we're having a Bible study. That's what it's about. It's finding opportunities within what you're doing to then go ahead and praise the Lord, but walking in a manner that people could see that. He says, you know, our, as a father, as a father, as a father, as a father, I look at my children, I want the very best for them in life. I constantly take opportunities to pull them aside and, maybe sometimes more than others than, than they want, but to be able to, to, to teach into opportunities of, of their mistakes. Look, I'm not upset with you right now of what you did, but listen, let me just back you up so that you can see what are the results from what happened here. You know, I know your brother's crying. I know you didn't mean to hurt him, okay? I'm not mad at you that you hurt him. You know, you're just bigger than he is, okay? But look, this is what happens, though. You know, when you, you hurt him, I'm not upset about that, but where's the ministry to your brother after that? He's crying. Are you ministering to the need that he has right now? Do, are you okay? Can I get you something? Can I go get mom or dad? I mean, what, what is it that needs to happen here so that you can minister to the heart of the person? I mean, all of us have hurt people in our lives that we, we didn't mean to. It just kind of happened. Well, that, well, what is the ministry after that? Do you go to them one-on-one and say, hey, look, man, I'm sorry. You know, this gets said or whatever. I didn't mean that. But do you minister to them? Do you go and take care of the problem that's there as a father would? He exhorted them. He comforted them. He charged them with a walk to be worthy of God. And that's the charge for us this morning is as, as we head out back into the, in, into the world and in, into the field of life, are we going to walk a life worthy of God? I mean, that's, that's ultimately our, our responsibility. I mean, I can't, I can't control anything out of the room. You can't control anything in my life. But, but individually, are we going to walk a life worthy of what God has called us to do? Again, because all these things that Paul is doing for this church, God has done for us. God has is, is come and he's comforted us and he's, he's walked it and, and exhorted us and he's taken care of our needs and he's, he's provided a, a savior for us. And he, he didn't have to do any of that kind of stuff, but because of his love towards us, because of the caring in that nature of who he is, God just said, look, I, I, I love you and I want that for you. And all he's asking back is, is your life. That's it. You know, just want your life. But are we willing to give it? Are we willing to say, yes, I, I'm all in at this moment? I went to a, um, uh, we had been praying, and we're going to pray for a couple people today at the end of the service as well, but um, we had prayed for him, John Burke. Um, we had been praying for them for a while. He had had cancer, 41 years old, I believe, three children, and he passed away um, 
a few weeks back, and uh, they had the celebration of life ceremony yesterday or Friday for him, and um, went to it, and, and I'll, it, it touched me in a different way. I, I didn't have a relationship with John. I think I may have said hi to him once or twice, maybe. His wife, I know from school and different field trips that we've gone on, and I probably know his his middle son is in Ashton's class. It's kind of how we all you know know the family and stuff like that. Great kids, from what I've seen and from what I've heard. Um, and and so I, I was kind of touched on the other side of it is that he's 41, so he's close to my age, has three children, and he's gone, you know, and he was going through the whole time. And so that's hard, you know. It's it's not a point of that I have a, a an emotional bond with him per se, but I, I have an emotional bond with the fact of what everything that happened there. And um, and as they do the, you know, they did a video photography or pictures of his life and all, and that was hard. You know, I mean, I, if you didn't have a tear in your eye, you know, you're a robot or something because it was, it was touching and it was wonderful and it was beautiful to see him with his kids and him with his family from, you know, his family family from when he was young and then him and Barbie and uh, just very, very sweet, you know, and then for you to then re- recollect in your own mind, you know, what if that was me? And, um, and one of the, uh, so then if you get through that and you don't have a talk by eye, his oldest son, Brody, got up and spoke. And I was like, dude, you know, it, that the kid was a man. I, I, I'm telling you, I could not have said, I couldn't have got up there. I couldn't have done the service first of all. So I had to work on that at some point, but I, I, I couldn't have done the service much less than Brody to have gotten up and spoken to people about his dad, you know. Did he make it all the way through? Of course not. Um, you know, he, he stopped, and then he started again, and he stopped and started again. And um, But but the kid preached the gospel to those that were in, 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 in there to see his dad. And he reflected back to his dad about how his dad was just there and, 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 and how he constantly was talking to people about the Lord and that even as he was going through the time, he was talking to people about the Lord. And, and folks, that's that's what it's talking about as far as being all in, you know. And it doesn't take a, a life-changing or a life-ending event for us to be all in. You know what I mean? A lot of times, a lot of people, and I'm not saying this about him, obviously because of the situation in their family, um, from what I've known. But I'm, you know, a lot of people like in prison stuff like that. They they find God, you know, at those moments. But I'm saying for us is, is that today is the day. Like I said last week, today is the day that the Lord has given us. Again, we're not promised tomorrow. I mean, we may make plans for tomorrow or next week or next year, but those days aren't given to us. They're not promised to us. Today is that day. And that doesn't matter if you're a young person or old person or somewhere in between. It's it's today. And, and so I'm asking you guys is to, to think about that and to think about the fact that, you know, well, what would I do if it's tomorrow or if it's tonight? Is there something that I need to do? Is there something that I need to say? Is there somebody that I need to share the gospel with? Is there somebody that I need to apologize to? Is there somebody that I need to go to and make amends to because what Paul's saying here is look I lived a life and I lived it with character and I lived it with morals and, and there was no impurities within what I was doing and you saw that because I was with you and so I mean, as, as I look at Calvary Chapel Christian Fellowship is that the same model that you guys have in your lives is that the same model that as you go out into your neighborhood and to your family that is not believers and to your family that is believers and to your workplace is that the same model that I see or that I can brag about. Oh, no, you saw about Scott? No, nah, that's not Scott. Scott might have something funny to say, but I'm going to tell you right now, Scott's got morals and he's got character, and, and he wouldn't do that. And, and is that something that we could all say about each other? I pray. I pray. I pray that for myself as well. Because, there are, guys, there are so many temptations that are out there and so many opportunities for us to stumble and fall, 
And it doesn't take, you know, to be a big name pastor or to be somebody that's somewhere else to be able to fall from something that you're tempted with. All of us have those. But we need to be honest with ourselves, be honest with the Lord, and ask him for forgiveness and walk in a, in a right manner. Amen. Father God, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. We thank you for... Lord, we thank you for life. And we thank you for men like Paul. And um, again, Paul was not perfect. He was not a, a perfect individual. He was, not, um, he was not sinless. He was far from it. actually said he was the chief of sinners, Lord. Um, which actually scares me because then I don't know where I fall in line then. But God, I, I pray for our church and I pray for us, Lord, that, um, that Lord, as we, we look at a, a, a motivation list like this, and I pray that we're on the backside of this motivation list, that we're a church that, that church that has character, Lord, a church that is laboring in love, Lord, a church that is willing to give our lives, Lord, not just to, in death, but, but God, to be a living sacrifice unto you, Lord. And Father, that, that it would be something that we could come into heaven and to know that, Lord, is, is to live is to Christ, is to guy is gain, God, that, that it doesn't matter of all these other things in life. Lord, I, I lift up the Burke family, God, today and um, continue to pray for them, Lord, and just uh, the overwhelming silence probably at this point as everything has happened and everything has gone through, Lord, that you would be with them and you would send your angels to minister to, to Barbie and the kids to his brothers and sisters, his dad, Lord, and, um, that you would continue to, to pour out your love and your grace upon them, Lord. And Father, I pray for a friend of my dad's, Chris, and his mom is, has got cancer as well, Lord, that you would be with them this morning as well as decisions are making and for healing process and for doctors for wisdom and um, that, God, that you would have your hand upon them as well, Lord. And for Connie Chanelli, God, as we have prayed for her in the past and um, she is on chemo again, God. Um, that again, Lord, we, we pray for a miracle. We pray for your touching on her and that you'd be healed. And that you would, um, again, that you would be glorified as you have been glorified in her life, Lord, the life that she has lived. And that, um, that you would just do a wonder in her life and with John as well and um, help them to, to be able to see the goodness in all things, Lord. Father, we pray for ourselves as we head out this week. Um, that God, again, that you would be glorified in our lives, that we would live a life worthy of you and of your calling, and that, um, that we would give Jesus all the praise. And we ask this in your name. Amen.